Um, we've been talking about choosing life, and if you uh, haven't been with us for all of the, the series, we've been going for a few weeks now, I'd encourage you, we're just getting those, we haven't actually had that, this specific one on the website, but they'll be up on the website this week, you can even go back and, and listen to the other ones. But the whole idea of choosing life, and in Deuteronomy 30, you know, God is speaking, He says, I put before you life and death, blessing and cursing, choose life for you and your descendants that they may live. And that John 10.10, Jesus says, the thief, Satan, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. And so we've talked about a number of things like, what does that mean? What's the Bible say about that? And then we looked at some things like abortion, the culture of death that's in our world, and how Satan is using that to destroy lives, not just those in the womb, but all kinds of lives. And then a couple weeks ago, we started talking about sexual immorality or fornication, and what does that mean? And we talked about it. it comes from the Greek word porneia, which is where we get the word pornography. And so it's really not just sex outside of marriage, but it's any sexual sin. Whether that's lust, whether it's pornography, whether it's something that causes you to have inappropriate sexual thoughts in your mind and in your heart, it says that's sexual sin. And so God doesn't want us to live there. And we looked at, you know, a list in Matthew 15 where Paul talks about all of the list of these whole people that will not inherit the kingdom of God. And that's uh, people, evil thoughts, murderers, adulterers, fornicators, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. And Jesus has another list in, or that was actually, sorry, that was Jesus' list in Matthew 15. But Paul has a list that he uh, put out in 1 Corinthians 6 that's very similar and he's talking to the church. And he's saying, hey, you guys used to be like this, but you're not any longer because you were justified, you were sanctified, you were made holy through the blood of Jesus Christ. So you're not that way anymore. Stop acting like you're still that way. So we talked a lot about that. What does it mean that we're no longer in bondage to sin? We're in bondage to, to righteousness. We can now choose to not sin. Sin no longer has a power over us. And so we talked about these different things. And, and like we talked a little bit at the end of last week. What does it look like to be free? And that's where I really want to get to today, is talking about living free. And we're specifically talking about sexual sins, but this is true of any sin in our life. And, and so this could be an addiction. It could be, uh, again, you could, you could have issues with pornography. You could have issues with lying. You could have issues with talking about people behind their back. Did you know that Scripture says that actually puts busybodies, people who talk about other people, that he puts them, oh, just push that down, baby, the, the top part. No, not the very top, the little lever that's just below it. Just push it down. There's a little lever there. Did you get it? Uh, and that it talks about people who actually um, slander one another. In the same list of all these other things, the fornicators, the homosexual offenders, the adulterers, it puts them all in the same list. But we don't tend to talk about those ones as much. But guess what? You know, God looks at them as all sins. And there are some people who they can't help but open their mouth and say bad things about people. They're constantly, I mean, if you talk to them, they always got something bad to say. And the worst thing is sometimes in the church, we posture that in, you know, you need to be praying for, you know, brother so-and-so. Because, you know, and then, and then you list this whole deal, you know, and it's just a way of being gossipers. And so whatever it is, see, it doesn't matter. And so if we're, if we're caught into some area of sin, God wants to deliver us. And that's what I really want to talk about today. Again, I, I, don't, I don't have the time to go through all of it that we've been going through, but listen to it. Because 
Here's the deal. We have to be... I used this word last week and I'm going to use it again. We have to be vicious when it comes to sin in our life. And what is sin? Well, Paul says, anyone that knows what he should do and doesn't do it, it's sin to him. So what does that mean? It means if God tells you, you know what, you need to, you know, whatever, quit watching TV. Is there something evil about TV? Well, a lot of TV, but I mean, TV in itself, no. There's not something evil about this box. But if God says you need to stop doing that, then guess what? You need to stop doing that. And you might go, well, why? Well, because God told you. I'm not telling you that. I do say we need to be more careful of what we put into our ears, through our eyes, which it says goes into our heart. But I'm not telling you. I'm not. The Holy Spirit will direct you if you're listening. But it says if he tells you that you should do something and you don't do it, then it becomes sin. So we need to deal viciously with that, not because of guilt and shame, because in Christ there's no guilt and shame as long as we're walking according to the Spirit. What has happened in my spirit, not just in the flesh? So we're going to talk about that. How do we get free and stay free? Because how many of you know getting free is one thing, but staying free is another? And, and I've, I've shared before, I'll, I'll share it again, that there was a point in my life that I had uh, an addiction to pornography. Now, it wasn't something that I was involved in all the time, but it would be like it would just had a, it had, a, it had a grip on me. It was like something that was holding me, and I would be free for a period of time, and then something would happen, and it'd be, it'd be back there, and I would just pray. I'd like, Lord, break this in my life, and it would just seem like something else would happen, and, and it wasn't until I really, even some of the things we're going to talk about today, really began to walk in what the Word of God said and make some different choices that that was broken in my life. Broken. It no longer had a hold on me. And see, that's what Paul says. Sin no longer has a hold on you in Christ. And yet, the reality is, is that for some of us, sin does have a hold in our life. And so we go, well, how do I get free? Well, we're going to talk about that. Because I think the Word of God makes it very clear. I didn't say easy, but clear. How many of you know, and this is, we said it last week, and you're going to hear me say it a lot. How bad do you want to be free? How bad do you want to be free? Because if you want to be free, then the cost means nothing. All you have to do is talk to people who have gone through ridiculous costs to be free. See, we live in this world that, quote, is free. So we kind of just expect it. But, but what happens when we hear there's this pastor that he went to Iran, and, and they, they arrested him. He wasn't doing anything but telling people about Jesus, but he was arrested and put in prison. He's now been in prison for, what is it, like two years. He didn't do a thing except tell people about Jesus. But he is now in prison, and they're saying that they, they, he may well die. He has a young family here. It's become of national you know, news, but yet he's still... Do, do you suppose he doesn't take freedom for granted the way that he did before? Because he now understands there's a cost to it. And if you talk to people who came out of a communist nation, people that like got out of Russia back in the day when it was communist, and they were able to get out, man, they look at stuff, even things going on in our nation right now, and they go, man, we're going down that road of communism, of socialism. 
Because it cost them. Some people left. They had to leave everything. They had to leave their family. They had to leave. I've talked to families from Cuba. I've been in Cuba. And they got out of Cuba. They had to leave everything. The only way they could leave was to leave everything. And many of them were wealthy in Cuba. They came here, had nothing. They were wealthy. And all of a sudden now they're working as janitors, as maids, whatever it takes to be free. Understand freedom is worth whatever it costs. And we live in a fallacy to believe that we're free when we're in bondage. We talked about this last week, that sometimes to be free, you put up boundaries around yourself. We talked about that, how in a military base, like in Afghanistan, I know Jovi was talking about the, the British one, because I hadn't even thought about this, but Prince Harry was there. Royalty. I mean... The heir to the throne, a couple, you know, people down, but I mean, he's the heir to the throne, and he's hanging out there, and he's just playing football, he's doing whatever, he's hanging out. Why? Because there were confines to make it safe and free. They were in a war zone, but there it was free. Understand, we're in a war zone. Again, your enemy, Satan, wants to steal, kill, and destroy. That's pretty violent. How many of you know if you want to steal, kill, and destroy something, that's pretty violent? And it says that's his assignment on your life. So understand, you live in a hostile world. But Jesus says, Lord, keep them in the world, but not of the world. Protect them, Lord. But the protection comes standing in what Christ has done and realizing this flesh is kind of just the flesh. Right? Right? Yeah, you go, well, it hurts. Yeah, yeah, if somebody hits me, it hurts, but not eternally. And some of us are in bondage to things that are destroying us, but yet we have the facade that we're free. There's nothing worse than someone who thinks they're free and they're actually in bondage. I know people who are in prison who are freer than a lot of people on the outside. Man, I've been in prison and ministry with some guys, and these guys, man, are free, dude. I'm telling you what. These guys worship Jesus, love Jesus, know Jesus, tell everybody about Jesus. And you go, yeah, but they can't leave. Yeah, but they're free. They are free. And so sometimes we got to look and say, am I willing to kind of even put some boundaries around me to be free? To not do some things that I could do so I can be free? So how do we get free from sin? How do we stay free? So I want, you got, you know, a thing to write some notes? Write these down. Again, they're simple. They're not easy. Every one of these are simple. You'll, be, you'll have no difficulty understanding what they are. Probably Royce will be capable of understanding what they are. But the question will be two things. One, will we do it? And two, will we keep doing it? The only thing that makes a difference in your life is not what you start, but what you finish. No one's impressed at you starting a project, right? I mean, if, when you're, you're in school, some of you are in school right now, if you have to do a big term paper or a project, is your professor impressed that you started it? Wow, that's amazing, you started it! Way to go, you got three pages on a 50-page paper, good, good job. No. No, and if you show up with what you started when it's supposed to be finished, they'll even be less than impressed. And it's that way in life, too. If you're working and your, your boss gives you a project to do, Nick makes bread. Hey, are they impressed with you starting to make the bread? 
No, they kind of expect that by the time you leave, the bread is actually baked, right? And see, understand the same thing is true in our life, that we are called to walk it out day after day. That's hard. Did you know it's hard to do the right thing after day after day? I always laugh when people are like, oh, Christians, man, they're just, they're just a bunch of people. If, they, you know, if you need that you know, crutch of religion to, to get you through life, okay, that's all right. I say, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? It is so much easier to do whatever I want. I mean, to live in total selfishness and just wake up in the morning and say, I get to serve myself, do whatever myself wants, take care of myself. That takes no, it's no difficulty at all. Right? But to actually choose to say, I'm going to deny myself. I'm going to choose to live my life for Jesus and for other people. Man, with the grace of God, I'm going to try the best through Jesus to serve my wife and to serve my kids above myself. That, my friends, is hard. And to serve other people I don't even know. That's really difficult. I cannot do that in and of myself. But it says that's what we're called to. Okay, let me get back to where we were. So how do we get free from sin and stay free? And again, we're, we're specifically been talking about you know, sexual immorality, sexual sin, but this isn't true of any, anything. First thing, repent and confess your sin. The first thing that has to happen is we've got to admit that we have a sin problem. We live in a culture, even a church culture, that says, well, you know, I just kind of messed up. I, I missed the mark. No, you sin. We've got to call sin what it is. Because here's the reality. You can't see something broken if you won't admit what it is. And anybody that has an addiction will tell you that. Anybody who's gotten free of drugs, alcohol, gambling, whatever, you fill in the blank. One of the first 12 steps is you've got to admit you've got a problem. And we got this problem called sin, and without Jesus, we can't break it. So, one, if you haven't ever accepted Jesus, that's where it has to start. But if we're actually already in Christ, then this is the deal. When we sin, we still got to repent and confess it. You go, where do you get that? Well, Acts 3.19, just write these down. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cover a lot, of, a lot of scripture pretty quick. Acts 3.19, Repent therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. What a promise. Repent that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. 1 John 1.9, If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is true in any sin. Again, if there are ones you're stuck in, Fornication, sex outside of marriage, pornography, lying, drugs, alcohol, or even if it's just a sin that you just committed, you exaggerated, you told a lie, you stole something, you slandered someone. It doesn't matter what it is. Man, confess it. Deal with it. Say, he's faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness. But deal with it right away. Don't, don't just like sit in it for a while. Don't just let it be there for a while. So repent it. Confess it to the Lord. Allow Him to cleanse you. But there's a second part of this. If you want to be free, it starts that you've got to repent the sin, repent of the sin and confess it to the Lord. But number two, you've got to find someone, a brother or sister, and confess it to them. You go, whoa, wait a minute. We're not Catholic. No, I'm not talking about that. James 5.16. 
Confess your trespasses or sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. This is talking about real life accountability. It's talking about taking that which is in the darkness and bringing it into the light. Because see, things hold us because they're in darkness. When something's a secret, it has a hold on you. The moment it quits being a secret, the hold is broken. See, his law, and this is why Satan, one of his number one tools with Christians, is to isolate them. He tries to convince them, you don't need to be in church, you don't need to have a community of people around you, you can do it on your own. Why? Because you live, he, he isolates you and puts you in darkness. No, no, he says that's why when we fellowship with one another, it says, and the love of Christ is in us. Because light can't fellowship with darkness. And you might be saying, well, come on, man, I already repented it, I confessed it to the Lord. Why do I need to confess it to another person? I mean, they can't forgive me. That's true. It doesn't say they're going to forgive you. It says they're going to pray for you, and you will be healed. Let me give you a little analogy. Now, I'm, I'm sure every person here is just, you know, totally, uh, just incredibly neat in all of your house and hygiene and everything. But imagine with me, if you were like one of these kind of like hoarder people, you know, like your house is just full of everything. I mean, not just stuff, but garbage. You know, you see these videos and I mean, the people's houses are full of garbage. It's just nasty. It's full of everything. Just the most nasty thing possible. And then you leave, you go on a little vacation. And while you're gone, somebody comes in and cleans it. I mean, spotless. This, this place is spotless. Gets rid of all the trash, cleans everything up. It is impeccable, man. I mean, you could eat off of the floor. It's so pristine. And then you come back. But it's nighttime. It's dark. And when you left, the electricity had been turned on, so you don't expect any light. So you just, you just walk in, and you're kind of making your way through because you knew where the path was. And you're living in darkness... When everything that was there has been changed, it's gone. It's been made new. That which was darkness became light. That which was nasty became whole, clean. See, this is the picture of what happens. It says, before we're in Christ, we're filled with sin. Sin controls you. Your heart, it says, is deceitfully wicked above all things. Jeremiah. It says it's nasty. It's putrid before God. But it says that when we come into Christ... Repenting of our sins, confessing them before Him, acknowledging Christ's death and resurrection. It says we're made righteous, pure, holy, clean. But yet some of us are walking around like we're still in darkness. And He says, but when you confess to one another, man, brother, sister, this, this is where I've been struggling. I've repented, I've confessed it before the Lord. I need to confess it before you pray for me, stand with me, hold me accountable that I may walk in the freedom that has already been won for me in Christ. Turn the lights on. See, if that person turns the lights on, they're going to be, whoa! What happened? It's clean in here. See, that's what some of us need to spiritually say. Man, Jesus cleansed you of all unrighteousness. You have been made Whole in Jesus. Jesus says this in John 12, 46. I have come as a light unto the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. Jesus said, I've come as a light. And guess what? Where there's light, there's no what? 
darkness. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 and 9, this is what Paul says. For you were once darkness. Listen to that. You not were in darkness. You once were darkness. But now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. For the, spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And then 1 Peter, I love this, chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. You once were darkness, now you're light. You once were nobody, now you're somebody. You once had no mercy, now you've received mercy. This is where it has to start. First starting point has to be repenting and confessing to God through the blood of Jesus and to someone that you trust. Now again, I'm not recommending you do that to everybody, but have someone that you trust. If you're a man, it should be a man. If you're a woman, it should be a woman that you trust. Bring it out of the darkness into the light that they can stand with you. What's the second point? The second point is you've got to stand and fight. You've got to stand and fight. <laughs> Many of you have heard me quote it before, but I love you know, William Wallace in Braveheart. You know, when he makes his, his statement, you know, I am William Wallace. You know, the whole deal, I could do it all for you. You, you want me to do that? Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> I am William Wallace. And I see a whole army of my countrymen here in defiance of tyranny. You've come here to fight as free men. Will you fight against that? We'll run and we'll live. I run and you may live. Fight and you may die. But lying in your beds many years from now, would you be willing to give up all the days from this day to that for one chance, just one chance, to come back here to tell our enemies that they can take your life, but they can never take your freedom. <laughs> what will you do for freedom? Will you fight? Will you fight? Are you willing to do the heavy lifting spiritually to be free? How bad do you want to be free? This is a war and the battle is for your soul. Will you just let the enemy into the camp? Or will you stand and say, not on my watch? Ephesians chapter 6, Paul, we talked about this last week. Man, Paul uses a lot of aggressive language when he talks about standing. Ephesians chapter 6, 10 to 18, it's the armor of God. But in verse 10 he says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Then he lists all the parts of the, of the armor of God. Why? He says, so that you can stand. That you'll stand. It's this aggressive stance. I always say, it's like, it's like a guy in the boxing ring, man. He's in the corner. He's waiting for him to ding the bell. So he's, he's coming out. He's ready. He's got, come on, man, hit that bell. And it says that we're standing that way. Say, come on, enemy, you come on. No, man, I, I got the armor on. I'm in Christ. You come on. You just try and take me out because, man, my big brother Jesus, 
He has already messed you up. You want it again? Come on. See, the reality is we got to stand knowing what Christ has already done. See, we don't, we don't stand in our own. I mean, is he afraid of me? No, but when I'm standing in Jesus, he sure is. It's the old thing about the boy, you know, the bully. He's coming, he's finally, he said, I've had enough, man. And so he's like, come on. And, and all of a sudden, the guy looks at him, and he's like, okay, man, I'm gone. And he's like getting all pumped up until he looks behind him, and his big brother had come up and was standing right behind him. See, he knew he wasn't going to have to fight him. He was going to have to fight his big brother. He was afraid of his big brother. Understand, he has been defeated by Jesus. And here's the deal about a bully. Once a bully has been defeated, they run scared. And Satan is a bully. He tries to convince you of things that aren't true. And Jesus said, no, I've already won. And says, guess what? You're more than conquerors in Jesus Christ. But you've got to stand. You've got to be willing to stand and fight. Even if you know you win the fight, you still got to get in the ring. It's still, you're going to get knocked down sometimes. You're going to get back up through the power of the Holy Spirit and say, I'm going to stand. You can knock me down a hundred times and I'll get up a hundred and one. Because greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. Paul said this, 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 to 6. He says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And I don't have have verse 6 in here. Somebody's got verse 6. Read verse 6. Is it punishing every act of disobedience? I think, is that? Yeah. I think it, it goes on to say, and punishing. Okay, good. And being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Understanding that, again, this is vicious language. Paul's saying, man, you're going to demolish every stronghold, cast down every argument. You're going to punish disobedience. You go, that doesn't sound very nice. Well, no. I mean, let me tell you right now, if somebody tries to take out my wife, my, my kids, I am not going to be nice to them. I really don't care about them. You're messing with my family... You will pay for it any way I can make you pay for it. You go, that doesn't sound very Christian. Hey, I'll, I'll let them go to jail and, you know, they can take care of them and go through the process. But I'll tell you what, they're going to go up being a little bloodied, right? The enemy wants to destroy you and you go, what? You're just going to be like, oh, you know, okay, Satan, don't mess with me. I don't, you know, I mean, come on. I'm a nice person. I want nice things. I want to take care of everybody. Just don't hurt me. No. I mean, I always laugh at these people that right now, you know, whether they're anti-guns and all this stuff, and I go, you know what? If someone comes into your home trying to mess with you and your family, I think if you got a gun right there, you're going to be pretty happy you got it, right? Why? Well, because nobody, when you're messing with them and that which they love, is going to be passive. And if they are, shame on them. And so spiritually, we can't take it easy on sin. We cannot just let it sit there. Because I used an analogy last week, it's like having roadkill in your bed. 
And you just kind of crawl into the bed and you're just like, oh, I'm tired. I'll just leave it there. And you're like, and, and after a while, what happens? You get used to it. And you go, that's nasty. You couldn't get, you could get used to anything. You don't believe me? How many of you have ever been to a farm where they have cows or horses? And I mean, it stinks, right? You show up there and you're like, dude, this place stinks. Well, you live there for a couple of weeks and I will guarantee you, you will not smell it anymore. You go, that's impossible. No, it is not impossible. We will get used to the most putrid things if we allow ourselves. And if we just let sin sit in our life, you will get used to it. And as sick as it sounds, it will become your friend. And then you'll actually even get mad at people that want to mess with it. How do I know? Because I've messed with people and they got mad at me. And they know what the Word of God says. Again, not doing it with condemnation, but saying, I want you to be free. You're in bondage and you think you're free. We have to believe that our flesh is warring against our spirit and deal with it. John 8, 32 to 36. Jesus says, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Jesus answered them, most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin, and a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Understand, Jesus came for you to be free. Not kind of free, not mostly free, free. Free, free. Like really free. Like we're, hey, I'm free and mean it. I mean, a lot of people would say that, but you look at it and you go, dude, if that's what freedom looks like, I don't want it. I mean, people who are free should actually look like they're free, right? Okay, real quick. I'm going to jump through these. We'll probably revisit them a little bit next week. Number three, there's four. Number three, walk in the Spirit and in truth. There is a reason that this is called, we call this a Christian walk or a Christian journey. Because you got to walk it out. It's not a destination until we're before Jesus in heaven. Before that time, it's all a process. It's a journey. I remember when I was a kid, I was probably about, how old was I? Maybe 13, 14 years old. We went to a place called Havasupai Falls. It's one of the most beautiful places I've ever been in my life. If you, if you even do a, do a Google on it, do Havasupai Falls. It's a branch of the Grand Canyon and these amazing waterfalls. There's two of them down there. They're amazing. But there's a 12-mile hike through like intense, uh, two, the first two miles are all these switchbacks, and then there's sand for the rest of the 10 miles. It's a pretty brutal hike. But guess what? you got to walk to get in there, and you got to walk to get out of there. Now, I think you can't actually take a helicopter or something, but I mean, unless you're going to you know, take the lame way. But, but basically, if you want to see it, you got to walk in and you got to walk out. Understand, if you want to be free, you got to walk in it. You actually have to choose to say, I want to be free and I want to stay free. Galatians 5, 16, we quote it often. It says, I say then, walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh, flesh lusts against the Spirit, the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. So that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. It says, walk according to the flesh and not the Spirit, and you won't fulfill us. You want to be free? You've got to walk according to the Spirit. You've got to walk according to what Jesus said. You've got to live it out day by day, step by step. How do you run a marathon? One step at a time. 
How do, you, how do you walk in the Spirit? One step at a time, depending on the Spirit, depending on what Christ has done, not depending on my flesh, not depending on my ability. Jesus said in, in John 8, 12, I'm the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. John 12, 46, again, I've come as the light into the world that whoever believes in me shall not abide in darkness. Romans 6, 18 to 23, having been set free from sin, you become slaves of righteousness. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. In other words, there was no righteousness. You were free from it. You were just in sin. What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You've got to be willing to stand. You've got to stand on what the Word says. You've got to stand on what Christ has done. And it's going to be a battle. Because your flesh is warring against your spirit. It wants your spirit to fail. So you got to choose. Am I going to feed my spirit? Am I going to feed my flesh? Am I going to walk in the spirit? Am I going to walk in the flesh? Because when I stand in the spirit, there's freedom. Whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Sin will have no place in me. Does it mean we don't have struggles? No, it means we have struggles. But it means what happens, man, we just confess it and say, deal with it and move on. We're not going to live there. We're not going to wall there because I'm free. And if you're free, you're not going to let somebody just come along and shackle you. Right? If I'm a free man and somebody comes up and says, hey, let me just put these handcuffs on. Uh, Excuse me? Uh, No. And if you try that, we're going to have problems. Because I'm free. And so understand that when things start coming back in and you're going, am I just going to let the enemy back into the camp? No way. I'm free, man. You're staying out of my camp. I will keep you out of my camp. And this brings me to the last point. The fourth point is protect yourself. I remember reading this story, and it was a crazy story. This guy was up in the mountains. He came across a rattlesnake. And, and I, where, I used to grow, where I grew up, we actually had rattlesnakes, and we would actually have that happen. You know, times we'd be out walking and hiking. And, and so he ends up killing the rattlesnake. But it was a huge rattlesnake. I mean, it was, it was big. It was like over six feet long. It was a big old rattlesnake. So he wanted to like have a, like a trophy. So he, he ends up cutting off the head and he says, I'm going to keep the head. That, you know, it looks crazy, you know, with the fangs and stuff. And, and so he takes it and he goes, and he put it in his pocket. And, you know, and I'm just thinking, well, you know, they had the mouth's closed, whatever, he puts it in his mouth. Well, as he's walking, I mean, it's dead, but the mouth opens up and the teeth sink into his leg, through his pant pocket, into his legs. And, and here's the deal. The venom, while the snake may be dead, the venom is very much alive. And so the whole time that he's going, this venom is pumping into his legs. By the time he gets off the mountain, guess what? He was dead. He was dead. Why? Because you don't mess with things that are poisonous. What are you doing putting the head of a poisonous snake in your pants, man? But see, that's sometimes how we are with sin. We're like, oh, man, that's, yeah, that's not really. 
Hey, let me tell you what. If you know something takes you down a road that leads to death, don't go on it. Why would you let yourself go where you know? I mean, it's like people, if you've had an issue with, with drinking and alcoholism, then you don't go hang out in a bar. You're like, oh, dude, man, I've, I've, talked to, I've had friends. like, Man, I've been sober for 12 years. I, I can do that. Why would you take the chance? You've been sober for 12 years. You know what that did to your life. You lost everything as a result of drinking. So you're going to take a chance on that? Really? I mean, does it mean that much? Why? To impress some people? Because the people are going to go, why? How bad do you want to be free? What are you willing to pay to stay free? I'm just going, that doesn't make sense to me. And I've watched people walk down. There's a friend of ours, he was, they were in our church. He's in prison right now for this very thing. This very thing. Jesus set him free, man. He, he had a jacked up path. Set him free. He was doing amazing. He, he was living with his girlfriend. They got married. They had a baby. They got life together. They were serving Jesus. And then they started going back down that same path. Because they wanted to party. And he is literally in prison right now. Why? DUI? He had a past? Boom, in jail. Cost him his family. And now he's sitting there, and, and it's a sobering reality. Man, Chris, I wish I would have made some different choices. I wish you would have made some different choices too. It's never too late. You can be free. But why would you open the door when you know where it leads? But see, sometimes we think, oh, I'm strong enough. No, you're not. No, you are not. If you were that strong, you wouldn't have got there in the first place. It says, in the days of Noah, every man did what was right in his own eyes. It's the world we live in, man. You can do it. You can just do whatever you want. No, you can't. Romans 13, 14 says, Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. What does that mean? It means don't make allowances. Don't set yourself up. See, there are some things in here that you could do and it has no impact on you. See, I don't, I don't have an issue with drinking itself. Like if someone wants to have a, a beer or a glass of wine, fine. I don't have a big issue with that. But if, if drinking has been a problem in your life, don't do it. You are not free. And by the way, Guess what? If they're around you, you're not free to do it either. If you know it, because it says if you know something is a stumbling block and causes your brother or your sister to sin, then don't do it. Why would you do that? You would purposely trip up your brother or sister? No. Don't make provision for your flesh and don't make provision for other people's flesh. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 1. Paul says, finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may run swiftly and be glorified just as it is with you and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men for not all have faith, but the Lord is faithful who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. Protect yourself. Just as we gave that, that instance of a base in the middle of a hostile place, you're going to create boundaries and those boundaries will be kept no matter what. In fact, here's the, the reality. If somebody who's a soldier on that base is outside the base, 
and stuff begins to go down, guess what? You are not getting back in. They know if you went out, you're on your own. And if something starts going down, that gate will be locked and you will, it will not open for you either. Because we will not let anybody come in here to destroy. See, we have to have that kind of commitment to not allowing things into our life to take away that which Christ has done. Because freedom is what cost Jesus everything. Your freedom cost Him everything. My freedom cost Him everything. And so will I just throw that away for a moment of pleasure? Because I want to do something? I can. But the cost of that is so high. So high. Philippians 4, Paul gives us this. He says in verse 6, Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. And verse 8 is so powerful. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. How bad do you want to be free? It's, it's simple. Like I said, it's simple. But we have to decide, will I walk in this? Will I repent and confess sin, man, right now? Not just to the Lord, but to someone that I trust. If there's something I'm stuck in, man, I'm going to say, brother, I need you to pray for me. This is what's going on and hold me accountable. Take it out of the darkness into the light. Because in the light, it no longer has a hold on you. Be willing to stand and fight. Do not let the enemy control. He's been defeated. Remind him of it. We stand not in our own ability, but in that which Christ won on the cross. That's where we stand. But it'll be a fight. Again, he says, we don't war against flesh and blood. Get it, people are not your battle. But you do war against principalities, powers in high places, spiritual rulers. Yeah, that's where you stand. You go, well, that sounds crazy. That's like invisible. Yeah. Invisible in the flesh, not in the spirit. And walk in the spirit and in truth. Know what the word of God says. Stand on it. And walk according to what Christ has done, not your own ability. Don't start thinking, man, I can handle it now. You know, I'm strong enough now. I I can deal with it. No, you can't. Stand in what Christ has done. Because He is big enough. He is strong enough. His Spirit will empower you to be able to stand where you could not stand on your own. And last of all, protect yourself. Don't be afraid to put boundaries around your life. That mean it, it means it may cost you something. It may cost you a relationship. It may cost you, it might even cost you a job. You might realize, you know, my job leads me in places, and if I can't put boundaries around me to sort of keep these things out of my life, I may have to get a different job. Is it worth a different job to be free? Is it worth a different friendship to be free? Is it worth a different whatever to be free? You have to answer that question. I would hope you would say yes. Whatever it takes, whatever it means, I just want to be free. I want to be able to walk freely 
in the things that Christ has for me. And if that means I can't do some of the things that I might want to do, so what? Paul says, I beat my body into submission so that as I run, that I won't be disqualified. See, every person that's done any sport gets that. To do well at a sport, does it cost you something? Always. In fact, you talk to any athlete that does something really well, there are lots of things they'd like to do that they don't do. Because the goal that they've set before them is more important than whatever that is. And it says our goal, our prize, is Jesus Christ. And so it says anything that gets in the way of that, man, that's what Hebrew 12 says. The sin that so easily entangles. said, man, I get rid of that. I'm cutting that off so that I can run the race set before me. This is what we're talking about. This is what it is. It's about what Christ has for you now and for all of eternity. And sin does lead to death. And if we just let it sit there, trust me, it will bring death in all kinds of ways. I was talking about the young guy right now that's sitting in prison. Man, I'm, I'm telling you, there's, I, I, I probably think a hundred times a day, he's thinking, man, why did I do that? How did I think that that was worth this? And you go, oh, well, that'll never happen to me. Well, no one ever believes it'll happen to them. There is nobody that ever found themselves someplace they didn't want to be that ever thought it was going to happen to them. That's it. Pride. And see, the first thing about repentance and confession, it takes humility. We have to admit that we can't do it without Jesus. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads? I want to just, first I want to ask, I don't know if there would be anybody here. Maybe you just are sitting here and you're just going, wow. I, I'm realizing there's, there's things that are out of order in my life. That, that the first thing that has to happen is that I've got to repent of my sins and confess Jesus is my Lord. Because let me tell you right now, if that hasn't happened, that's where it has to start. That's where it has to begin. You can't be free apart from that. It's, it's not possible. And so is there anybody who would just raise your hand and say, yeah, you know, Chris, that's me. I, I, want, I want to confess with my mouth, believe in my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and forgives me for my sins and will set me free. Is there anybody? Well, the second question is, who says, I want to be free? I want to be free. I don't want to have anything holding me back. I don't want to, I want to walk in the freedom that Christ has already won for me. I want to be free. Not just think I'm free, but be free. Who would raise their hand and say, yes, 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 yes. Lord Jesus, (laughs) we thank you that, Lord, you already won. You won our freedom on the cross. It's not a will be, it's a past tense, done. You took all the sins, past, present, and future upon yourself. And when we allow the blood of Christ to wash us clean, it says we're free. We are set free from the bondage of sin. It no longer has control over us. And so Lord, I pray right now in Jesus' name that we'd be able to walk in that which is true. To know that it's true, that we're free. And Lord, if it means we've got to repent that of sins to you and confess them, we'll do it. If we need to find a brother or sister 
to break that in our lives, that we'll do it, Lord. Pride won't keep us from doing that. And then, Lord, we'll be ready. We say, we're putting on the armor of God. We're ready. We're, we're standing. We are ready to fight. Enemy, you come. We will stand in Jesus' name. And we will walk according to the Spirit, not the flesh. And we are going to put clear boundaries around us to not walk down roads that we know lead us to death. And in the name of Jesus, we will be free. Set free, walk free, live free in Jesus' name. Amen.